This podcast is brought to you by Dingle Mount Church. It will open up God's Word to you, inspire you to love God, and grow in the knowledge of Him, and challenge you to live a victorious Christian life. Be blessed as you listen. reading uh, this morning just for the few minutes we have to share uh, will be from the book of Luke's gospel chapter 17 uh, Luke's gospel chapter 17 and I just want to talk a little bit this morning on the kingdom of God on the kingdom of God and um, we will look at the words of Jesus and the question that was brought to him Luke chapter 17 and I'll read verses 20 and verse 21 of Luke chapter 17. Luke's Gospel chapter 17. If you've got the church Bibles, is on page 1018. But it might come up on our screen. It says in verse 20, it says, Now when he was asked, this was a question put to Jesus, by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God, he says, is within you. The kingdom of God, he says, is within you. Father, we just ask that you bless this portion into our hearts and as we explore the truths of scripture. I pray that indeed, not just as you've said, that the kingdom of God is within us, but help us to see what... We need to do, not just to be part of that kingdom, but to succeed in the kingdom of God. Amen. Um, The message I just want to share with us this morning on the uh, kingdom of God, um, I was thinking and reflecting when I got back from uh, the little uh, short break I had, and these words kept coming over and over uh, to my heart, especially those words that Jesus Christ spoke on uh, being born again if you remember when that man Nicodemus came to him and was asking him and Jesus Christ spoke to him and told him that except a man be born again that he cannot see the kingdom and so that concept of the kingdom of God came back to my heart over and over and it was just I was reflecting on that thinking deeply on what it means for us even as Christians or those who have come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and our personal uh, Savior And I remember quite a few years ago, there was a little bit of a conversation I was having with someone, and we were talking about the kingdom of God. And one of the things that were being discussed or talked about, or more or less like a little argument, it wasn't an argument, but we were exchanging thoughts, and um, he was talking about the kingdom of God as something that we look forward to in the future. And of course, there is truth in that statement that the kingdom of God, we can look forward to the establishment of the kingdom of God, as Jesus said, and even here on earth. But then when you come to this verse of scripture where Jesus Christ clearly says that the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Remember that the ministry of Jesus when he came, he came to do two things. Not just did he come to be an atoning sacrifice for us so that through him we can have a relationship with God, we can be reconciled to God. But by his coming, what he did was he established his kingdom. He brought in that kingdom that we are talking 
about. But the Pharisees, as they we know them, came to Jesus in this verse of scripture, and they were asking him, when will this kingdom? And when they asked that question, it reminded me of that young man who was looking at the kingdom of God as something that is still in the future. When are you going to establish this kingdom that we are talking about? Because the Jews had an expectation that the day will come when God will establish his rule and reign and put away all unrighteousness here on earth. And so when Jesus Christ came preaching the message of the kingdom, John the Baptist, even before Jesus came, spoke about the kingdom of God. They were keen to ask him, when will this kingdom of God come? And Jesus Christ looked at them and answered, and answered and said to them, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. And that's quite insightful for us. We know there are people, all they do is to look for signs and wonders and to see when the kingdom of God will be established. Some have tried plotting timetables when Jesus Christ will come back again and establish his rule here on earth. But as Christians, that's not what we are called to do. And that's what Jesus Christ is trying to correct here, are that impression that says that the kingdom of God can come with observation. Yes, we can see prophetic events unfold before us. We can see things happening all around us. And that can point to the end, to the establishment, to the time when Jesus, as the scripture says, will establish his kingdom again and put away all unrighteousness. But what Jesus is saying is that the kingdom of God is within you. He's trying to show them something that their eyes were close to. They were looking for something that is in the future. Why Jesus is saying to them, the kingdom of God is actually here and now, right in front of you. You are looking at him, the one who is the ruler of that kingdom, and he's come to change your life and to bring you into that kingdom. But the Pharisees never saw that. And sometimes even not just as Christians, but as we try to witness to people or speak to those who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, what we do have is people who are looking for signs and wonders, who want to see something special happen in our world today, not realizing that what they are looking for, that Jesus already had come, had brought the kingdom of God, and he's looking for sons and daughters. He's looking for people who are going to become part of that kingdom. But just like the Pharisees, they fail, or people fail to see that the kingdom of God is actually not just here with us, but can be within them. The rule of God, the reign of God, is within us. I'll take us back to that scripture in the book of John chapter 3. And look at that scripture because that is very important. We can't talk about the kingdom of God without, first of all, coming into that kingdom. And this is what Jesus was trying to get to Nicodemus. If you look at John chapter 3 and you look at verse 3 and see what Jesus Christ said to this man. John chapter 3 and verse 3. He says there, Jesus Christ answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And remember the Pharisees were asking to see the kingdom. They were looking for a future kingdom. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus here, this was a ruler, and saying to him, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that phrase, born again, some of us will know what that means. Some of us may have heard of it, but we are not quite aware of, of, with that concept of being born again. But look at the next verse, and that is verse 4. And that's the question. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? He was thinking with his natural mind. 
Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? But look at verse 5. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless, and that is conditional, one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so entrance into the kingdom of God requires being born again. You know, when we talk about being born again, some people think that it was a concept that was manufactured by the evangelicals or a few churches around the country. But no, right there in scripture, you have the concept, being born again. It's not about, I have been going to church maybe for 10 or 20 years, or maybe I was born into a Christian family, I've got a Christian heritage. That's not what it's about. It's about having that personal relationship with Jesus. It's about the Spirit of God doing something in your heart, in your life, that transforms and gives birth to a new reality. When I look back over my life years ago, that describes me. I was born into a Christian home. I went through all the normal catechisms and the things that you would expect from someone born into a Christian home. But I never had that relationship. I never knew Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. I had not been born again in the natural realm. I was born by my dad, from my mom, my dad. But then God is saying to us now, there is another reality, a birth that happens in the realm of the Spirit. And I can remember the day, the time when that happened. When I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life and the Spirit of God came in and that gave birth to the second birth that we talk, we're talking about here. And that is entrance into that kingdom. We know that most things in our world today, they either ask you for a membership or you have to sign up if you go online to shop. Some of them you really have to sign up to become, either you have a password, a login or something. And that gives you access to become a part and enjoy the benefits of going on there. And the same thing with the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying to us here, if you are not part of that kingdom, then you need to think about this concept of being born again, of water and of the Spirit of God. And if you look at the book of 1 Peter, you see what Peter said to the people, and this is very important for us. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 1, because sometimes we wonder how does this happen. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, because sometimes it's good to revisit these truths in Scripture. This is Peter writing to them in 1 Peter chapter 1, and you can see verse 23. And that is what happens, how we come into this relationship. He says, having been born again, you see that again, born again, not my concept, not your concept, been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. And he says, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So it is the word of God that gives birth to this born again. And that's why you can be in a church for years and not even be born again. Because the word of God has not really entered into your heart. You've not taken it in. You've not thought about it. You've not allowed it to change and to transform your life. And that's why Peter is saying, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, that is something that perishes, but of incorruptible, he says, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. You remember the parable that Jesus told about the kingdom of God, the sower who went about sowing his seeds. Some of the seeds fell on stony ground and some of them fell on good soil. And the ones that fell on good soil, the Bible told us that it grew and brought forth. 
And that's what happens when the word of God falls upon the heart that is receptive, a heart that is open, a heart that hasn't put up walls. You know, sometimes when you're up here preaching or maybe you go out to preach somewhere and people are listening, now don't be fooled that everyone is listening and taking everything in. For some, there are arguments going on in their hearts. They are arguing with the word of God. They are arguing with scripture. They are erecting barriers in their minds. They are saying to themselves, oh well, but we've known this for so many years and what is God trying to say to us? And some will even actually write in church, still be arguing with themselves. I don't think it's necessary for me to have this relationship with God. But we are talking about the kingdom of God here. And he says here that you cannot, these are not my words, have this relationship not until you allow the word of God to take root in your heart you allow the word of God to change you. You allow the word of God, through the God Spirit, to give birth to something new in your life. And that's why today, when the baptism takes place in the afternoon, people will go through the waters of baptism. Now, what that tells me is that as they go down into the waters, they are saying to themselves, we are dead to sin. Not just that we are dead to sin, but we don't belong to the kingdom of darkness anymore. And let's understand this, because they are the, that's, the, that's the reality. It's either you are in the kingdom of darkness, or you are in the kingdom of his dear son, as the scripture tells us, which is the kingdom of light. And we know this, that when Jesus Christ came, that's what he came to do. He came to set free. He came to deliver. And that's why the Bible tells us that you shall know the truth, and the truth will set or make you free. He takes us from the kingdom of darkness and translates us into the kingdom of his, their son. In the book of Ephesians, I'll read one more scripture to you there. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And look out, listen to what the scripture says. In Ephesians chapter 5, and that is the cleansing that takes place. In Ephesians 5 verse 26, it says there that he, that is Jesus, might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water. And how does he do it? By the word. By the word. And so the same way the water cleanses, that's what the word of God does to us. It cleanses us. When we receive the word, it does something in us. And so when people go into the waters of baptism, all they are saying to themselves is, I have received the word. The word has produced fruit. Something has happened in my heart and my soul. And I'm identifying with the dead, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, my Savior. But the question is, are you part of that kingdom? And if you are part of that kingdom, are you allowing the word of God to still have that cleansing effect and transforming effect in your life? So Jesus Christ began by reminding them that entering into this kingdom requires being born again. But then he takes it a step further. Because when you get to Matthew chapter 6, and this is still about the kingdom of God, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus Christ said something. Because it's not just about coming into that kingdom, being a part of that kingdom, and that's where the story ends. If you come to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, look at what the Bible says. And this is a familiar scripture that we know. But listen to this again. I'm sure this will speak into our hearts. It says in verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he says, all these things shall be added to you. 
Now, when I read that scripture, it's the scripture we normally read about um, when we tell people not to worry and trust God. And, but I want us to rethink that scripture again. Because you've come into that kingdom. I want you to picture this. You've entered into the kingdom of God or you're part of that kingdom. But then God wants you to succeed in that kingdom. He wants you to have the best that he's planned and kept in store for you in that kingdom. And so it's not only about coming into that kingdom, but he also gives us the requirement, what it takes for us to succeed in the kingdom of God. And that's why he tells us there in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now what that tells me is I have to come into the kingdom of God with single-mindedness. And that is one of the secrets of doing well when you are part of God's kingdom. Single-mindedness. I don't know how many of us really want to succeed or do well in God's kingdom. I don't know how many of us are thinking about what God has got in store for you in that kingdom. But we can never become all that God wants us to be if we come into that kingdom and we are not single-minded. We are worrying about things. We are thinking about every other thing apart from His righteousness, as the scripture tells us, and seeking that kingdom. Seeking that His rule be established in our lives. Seeking that He be everything and all things to us. And I think that this is where most Christians fail. And sometimes we claim that we've given our hearts to the Lord. We are born again. We are saved. We thank God for the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But then, when you think about this aspect of being single-minded, you will agree that there are things that take your mind away from your love for Christ. You will agree that you're not seeking the kingdom of God first. You will agree that there are things that are more like you put them as priorities over the kingdom of God. When I came into the ministry... I was one day praying, and this is something that God laid upon my heart, and I saw that as well through Scripture, because it's so difficult sometimes to get your priorities right, and you're thinking, what's more important to me? Is it family? Is it my relationship with God? Is it the church of God as a whole? What is more important? But what God will have us to know is that it is your relationship with Him that is more important than anything else. Then after that, then maybe your family then comes into the picture. And then after the family, then the body of Christ as a whole, the church, comes into the picture. So if I allow, for instance, my family to draw me away from God, I'm inexcusable. I remember that the man that came to follow Jesus and said, I will go with you wherever you go. And Jesus Christ turned and looked at him. And that man said, let me first of all go and do something else. And Jesus Christ told him, no one who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And that is what we need to think as we walk with God. Is there something that I'm putting before my relationship with God? Am I putting friends before God? Am I putting the pursuit of other things before God? And that's why Jesus Christ is telling them here, I know you are seeking for things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things. In other words, what he said to them is there will be a natural consequence of following Jesus Christ. That the things you think 
that you've denied yourself or you've done this. Because sometimes when we follow Jesus, people think that, oh, being a Christian is so boring and there's no excitement or joy in being a Christian. Once I give my heart to the Lord, it's like I've cons- my life has been consigned to a life of a misery and doom. No, but, but that's not the story. In Jesus, the Bible tells us there is fullness of joy. The most exciting people should be Christians because we have something in our hearts. The joy of the Lord, and that's what the scriptures call it. And when we have that joy, and it shows and radiates through us, then we seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, then whatever God asks to us, we can give him thanks and praise for that. But the question for us this morning is, have you come into that kingdom single-minded? Or are you allowing the cares and the worries? I remember when we started this year, some of us who made maybe resolutions and things in your relationship with God, you said you were going to do. This is about four months down the line. Can you still say you are single-minded? Can you still say that you are determined when you started the year as you are right now that you are sitting in this building? Come in single-minded. Another very important verse of Scripture, and this is how we come in as when we come into this kingdom. We are called to come in or enter with self-abandon. And I like that word, self-abandon. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16. And I'll begin to round up here. In Matthew chapter 16, you will see verses 25 of Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew 16 and verse 25, this is when Jesus was talking about taking up the cross and following him. And he says, I'll read it from verse 24. He says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, which is what most of us do, we want to come after him, we want to follow him, he says, Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And look at verse 25. He says, For whoever desires to save his life, he says, will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And these are very deep words that Jesus is sharing with them because our natural instinct is we want to preserve. We want to protect. We want to keep. We don't want to lose. And so anything that threatens that aspect of our lives, we don't want it. If Jesus is going to come into my life and upset everything else, change my priorities, change my relationships, change the people that I talk to, you know, we don't want it. But Jesus Christ is saying here, this is what it takes to be a part of this kingdom. Whoever desires to save his life. Remember he came in John 10.10, where he says, The thief does not come but to steal, kill, and to destroy. But he says, I have come that you may have life. So his intention is to give you life. But then, people don't want life. And so they think that by keeping their lives to themselves, by protecting whatever they claim to have, They're actually keeping life. But the Bible says that by doing that, you're actually losing life. But by accepting the life that Jesus Christ gives, you're denying yourself, and then you're taking on the life of God. And remember that the Bible tells us that a day will come when we will spend time and eternity with Him. The life that we see now is not all there is. And that's why when Paul was writing to them, Paul reminded them that if only in this life you have hope, he says you are of all men to be pitied. And sadly for some, that is what it is. This life is all there is. 
everything about them, their concept, their worldview is all about the life that now is. But I believe that there is something more to it than just being born, getting a job, and dying. There is that concept of eternity that the Bible speaks about. He that desires to keep his life will lose it. But he, it says here, that denies himself. In other words, you've let go of things. You're saying to yourself, whatever that will stop me from this deep depth of relationship with Jesus Christ, I am ready to give it up. I'm sure that um, for those who still remember the last um, Olympics and the athletes and those that competed, you, you don't see someone who is going for a competition not coming, not just with single-mindedness, but self-abandon. Or you watch the footballers on the pitch. I've never seen a footballer doing this. Maybe uh, when the game is on and he's playing and he goes down on the floor, stands up and he goes to the touchline and says to the coach, can you just give me a mirror? I just need to check my hair if he's still intact and he's looking all over himself. You know, they don't do that. It's self-abandon. They don't care about how, they, uh, how soiled their, 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 uh, their uh, um, sports kids. They, they are not worried. They are single-minded. They've forgotten about everything. All that matters to them is winning. All they care about is scoring the goal. And that is how God wants us to approach our relationship with Him. Where nothing else matters to us. Whatever we do, we are doing it because we love Him. We are doing it because we've forsaken all. We are doing it because nothing matters more to us than that relationship that Jesus Christ has called us to. So not only is he calling us to come in with being single-minded, but come in with self-abandon, and finally, we need that spirit of humble service in his kingdom. Look at Matthew chapter 23. In Matthew chapter 23, and these are the things that will help us in the kingdom of God that he's called us into. In Matthew chapter 23, look at verse 11 of Matthew Chapter 23. And Jesus Christ says to them in Matthew 23 verse 11. He says, but he who is greatest among you, he says, shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be abased. And he who humbles himself, he says, will be exalted. And you remember why Jesus was saying this to his disciples. Because I saw one, one instance, they were walking on the way and they were arguing amongst themselves. And these were people who were called to be part of this kingdom. And the argument was about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And we know the rivalry you have in the workplaces, promotions, people want to be greatest, people want to be on top. Nobody wants to serve, nobody wants to start small and then maybe grow. Everybody wants to hit the top. But then Jesus Christ says to them, Whoever, the greatest among you shall be your servant. And that is humble service that is necessary in the kingdom. That when you come into the kingdom of God, everything about pride flies out through the window. You come to a point where your achievements, whatever you've achieved, and this is the example that Paul says in the scripture. Paul said that everything that he's achieved, he said, I now count it all but dung, all for Christ. And so when you come into that kingdom, that should exemplify the life that you live. It's a life of humble service. It's a life that says, whatever I am, whatever my achievements, I will give them all for the glory and service 
of the master. Whatever I will become, it will be for the kingdom of God. Whoever will be shall be your servant. And we know that Jesus showed his disciples and a good example of what it means to be their servant. The Bible says before he died, he went to them, took off the sandals, and he began to wash their feet. Literally, and you know at the time, this were just, that was a job reserved for servants. But Jesus, their master, was willing to wash their feet. All he was showing them is, I am your teacher, I am your master. If I can do this for you, that's the spirit. That's what you need to do for others. Not literally wash everybody's feet. I mean, I wouldn't recommend that because you, you, you might see things that you don't want to see. But, but, but we know this, the concept, what Jesus is saying to us here. All he's saying to us is, you go and serve with that spirit of humility. You count whatever thing you are, whether you're a degree holder, you haven't got any, you're a PhD, whatever it is that you've got in life, whether you're rich or you're poor, whatever you've attained, he says, humble yourself. And when you do that, there's a promise there. He says, and God will exalt him in due season. And we all want exaltation. We all want that kind of promotion that comes. But even in the natural, I want you to think about it. You know how when you relate with someone and you sense that they are very proud and arrogant, how that puts you off in the natural. Now think about that in your relationship with God as well. If you're relating with God and you're not willing to humble yourself, you're not willing to say, well, not my will, but your will be done. You're not willing to say, well, I don't know as much as I think I know in my relationship with him. Lord, teach me. Lord, speak to me. Lord, change me. Lord, touch me. And submit everything to him. Not until you do that, you will never get the best of what God wants to do in your life. And that's why I'm sharing this with us this morning. That if you haven't come into this kingdom as in knowing Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, maybe it is something to think about. But if you have done that, and you're already in that kingdom, then he's calling you to be single-minded once again. Focus on the important things. Come with self-abandon. Let nothing get in your relationship with God. I remember when I was called into a full-time Christian ministry. For me, I knew that one of the things that would get in the way of me going into the pastorate and doing what God has called me to do was my degree. I finished as a civil engineer and I was looking forward to go into work in an oil company and, of course, make all the money I can make. And all my friends, I saw them all jetting off and getting jobs and all that. And there I knew I had a call. I knew I was called to go and pastor, to be. And it is, that is what God, is. sometimes God's will is so clear that you can't argue with it. You know what he wants you to do. And I remember that day, sitting in that church, right at the back of the hall, <laughs> after the service, people had gone home and I was praying and thinking to myself. I said, God... Are you really calling me to do this? And sometimes we try to strike deals with God. Like, well, um, I can still serve you, but I can still keep this part of my job. But I knew in my own case, it was a total, he said, leave it and go and do this. This is what I want you to do. But I never listened initially. And for a whole year, I was working with a civil engineering company, one day, I will remember that day, was a road construction site, and we were just sitting there in the site. And I was thinking, and I could hear this voice in my spirit 
saying to me, this is not what I have called you to do. You're constructing roads, but what I want you to do is to build lives. And I could hear that strongly in my spirit. That's not what I've called you to do. You can never pastor, shepherd God's people as long as you are doing what you are doing right now. Because we are talking about some weeks, days, you're not even anywhere near a church. If you're on a motorway, where will, you, where will you speak to? Where will you go to church? Where will you shepherd? Where will you? It's not compatible with what I was being called to do. And I remember that day I said, God, well, if truly this is what you want me to do, not my will be done, but yours be done. And it was like something died on the inside of me. It's like, like I gave up something on the inside and said, God, then you take me and use me as you will. And when I did that, I could sense the peace of God. When I was willing to abandon, when I was willing to forsake what seemingly meant a lot to me, God knew that I was willing to ready to walk with him. And that is what, is for some of us, that's not what it might mean for you. It might be something else entirely. But there is always something that stands in that depth of relationship. There is always something that raises up his head, that threatens the very call that God has given you. And this is why, as the year rolls by, we have to constantly assess our walk with God. Ask yourself questions. Am I still walking with that single-mindedness? Am I still doing what he's called me to do? Or have I departed from my first love and I'm pursuing something else? And I pray that the Spirit of God will open our hearts to understand all I've shared this morning. Shall we just bow our hearts and give him thanks, maybe for a few seconds, for speaking to us for some of us it might be friends getting in the way I know someone whom the friends will never let him anywhere near a church that's all you don't need that anymore it's all gone now it's outdated do people go to church anymore do people pray to God denying yourself for some it's the fear of family or if I give my heart to the Lord Family will abandon me. Family will think I've gone crazy. Family will think, oh, this is what's happening. Yet, we've heard stories of people who gave their hearts to the Lord and families threw them out because they couldn't understand their faith, but they trusted God to see them through. It's a call. We are not all called to do the same thing, but there is one call that is common to everyone here this morning. That is a call to abandon self. It's a call to be single-minded. It's a call to come into that kingdom and explore the depths of the relationship and the joy and the peace that you can have being a part of that kingdom. Maybe you need to Reconsecrate your, your heart again. Maybe you need to tell God this morning that you've allowed things to come in between your relationship with Him. Or you may need to tell Him that you need to reorder your priorities. It's not easy, and that's why we need the grace of God. The moment you walk out of this door, something will come up. 
Something will try to stop you from praying. Something will try to stop you from reading the Bible. Something will try to stop you from witnessing and sharing your faith. Or telling people or those who ask you about your faith. There will be competing priorities. But we have to decide in our hearts this morning. That as God gives us the grace. We will witness. We will speak. We will share. We will go out there and live the life that he's called us to live. So, Father, I just thank you this morning for speaking once again into our hearts and reminding us of what it means to serve you and to follow you. And, Lord, I pray is there someone here this morning who maybe needs to commit their hearts to you or rededicate their hearts to you or understand what it means to be born again. Lord, I pray that you speak to them, touch their hearts to come to the point where they make that decision that I want to follow Jesus, I want to serve him. Humility in service, I want to forget about pride and who I am and my accomplishments and come to him. And Lord, for those that have made that decision, I pray this morning that you will help them, just as Paul said, to strive, to fight the battle, to get to the end of their race. And we pray this morning that grace will be released upon us. That for those who are struggling with your will for their lives, Lord, that you bring them to a place where they would abandon self and give in to your call and your will for their lives. If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, why not join us in worship at the Dingle Mount Church or log on to our website at www.dinglemount.org for more information. Thank you for listening.